Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And it would appear that we're both in a bit of a mood today. <laughs> okay. Just say what you just said to me. I just want to go live in a hutch in the woods. <laughs> just a quiet little hutch in the woods. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm really trying to work on acceptance. I'm really trying to work on acceptance and a bit of surrender, like just like, a, okay, well, this is what's happening now. I'll do my best. I'll do my best to make it through it. I know. It's a weird set of circumstances to want to have acceptance around, though. I mean, it is. Acceptance is the key. I, I believe that, you know, some kind of acceptance and awareness of what you can't change. And there's so much that feels like we can't change it right now. No, it's, uh, um, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell listeners we are, um, we're recording a couple of he episodes ahead of time because we're going to be on vacation, um, in the end of July. So if we talk about things that are timely to this moment, they may not feel timely when this airs apologies, who knows yes. what else is going to happen For, later yes. this summer. <laughs> yes. Another, another shooting at a parade. Oh. It's just so, it's just, it's just too fucking much. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And I feel so scared. I feel really scared. Yesterday I did something I hadn't done in a very long time that was good because I had talked myself into being too scared to do that. I rode the subway. Wow. Okay. We went okay. out to Coney Island. Okay. Um, and I rode the subway and it was a reminder, like you build things up in your head and then you know, it's like the British during the Blitz. They just kept going on with their lives. Uh, yeah. I mean, I went, I went to Catalina yesterday and Catalina is, you know, Southern California. It can be very different than 
different parts of Southern California can be very different than Los Angeles, let's say, which is obviously a liberal enclave. And I was on the boat over and I was like, oh my God, what have, what have I done? I mean, the mm-hmm. patriotism was just like, yesterday was 4th of July. Sorry, everybody. Um, and the patriotism was just like out in a force that I could not have anticipated just head to toe American flags and America, America. It's, isn't, Isn't it a shame? I mean, I consider it like, you know, I've always thought like I loved America and felt really fortunate to be born here and had a lot of had a lot of privileges. And and, and it's one of the things I've always often felt I was fortunate about. And now I, I, I saw the same type of displays yesterday and I thought like this, you know. It's not like I'm never out there in red, white, and blue or anything, but I was just like, God, it felt like everybody celebrating that felt like they were celebrating the Supreme Court ruling to me. Yes, it did. But at the same time, and, you know, and understand that I'm as progressive as it gets, you know, I'm like a Bernie socialist, like I'm as far left as you can get. There was a thing I felt yesterday on this island in Catalina with these silly people in their silly outfits. And I did have this moment of, and granted I was a little, I was a tiny bit high. I had this moment (laughs) where I was like, okay, I need to be among these people and not feel all of this hatred. Mm -hmm. And we are never going to be able to solve anything with how polarized we are. With it well, just for being sure. hate, hatred all the time. And, you know, there was some real joy in my day in watching people celebrate in whatever way. Catalina is this very strange, it's, it's one of my favorite places in the world because it is retro tacky, which is one of my favorite aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Like it's like tacky from the eighties and has never really evolved out of that mm-hmm. aesthetic, which is, you know, new tacky is hideous, but like old tacky is like, delightful. Mm-hmm. and it's so it attracts all kinds. Like there were like, there was like a hipster wedding happening where like everybody was like dressed in gold and like, and then there was, then there were like very, very, um, traditional Mexicans playing, playing traditional Mexican music and dancing on the street. And then there were like some like real America, like bros who were like drinking from their boats. And, and then there was like a marching band, like of teenagers and the guys from the boats were screaming at the tuba player to play the tuba for them. And he was, and (laughs) anyway, it was like a lot of things happening in a very small space, which is also something that hasn't happened in, a while because of the pandemic where we're Mm -hmm. just all kind of on top of each other, just being ourselves and living our lives. And there was a moment that I was like, okay, I don't know where we go from here, but I need to live in some peace among all of these different people with all Mm -hmm. of their different feelings right at this moment. Because if I feel this rage every single second of the day, it's going to be ruining my, my life. It's true. And I think it's, it's limiting to not try to find common ground, even with people who you disagree with really passionately. I remember in the 90s, there was a group that got 
um, anti-abortion and pro-choice people together to try to find common ground. Um, you know, I can understand where if somebody thought abortion was murder, they would feel that on a very visceral emotional level, you know, as visceral as, as, as any, anything we feel, you know, and yet, you know, probably didn't work because it doesn't happen anymore. You know, it just feels like, um, you know, it just feels like the fucking Middle East. It just feels like it's, it's irresolvable and it's going to be irresolvable forever. Right. Right. And in, in saying it feels like the Middle East, not like we're living in like a war zone, but no, like, no, I mean, no. Just in a, in a place where the two parties are never going to see eye to eye. That's the only right. way I mean it. Yes. Yeah. And I want to clarify Phew. that. Um, <laughs> exactly. Don't worry. I got you. Um, no, I, I know. I, I know. I know. And I saw, I saw over the weekend, I saw some like fucking turfy essay in the New York times. And I was just like, I'm so sick of white women coming out against trans women and trans people and white feminists coming out against trans people. I'm just so fucking over it. But I, at the same time, I need to live my life and I need to, uh, we all need to live our lives. I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, is it that we flee? There's, you know, you know, you know, historically grass is always greener. There's no better than here. It is a matter of like fighting with as much as you can and as many resources as you have and really committing to that. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, having time when you're not thinking about it, when yeah. you're trying to enjoy your family, your friends, your community to be in community and not feel so volatile because I don't think this level of volatility is sustainable. No, it's, you know, rage can be, anger can be very motivating, but it can also be very, 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 very corrosive. And it yeah. feels corrosive right now. It feels corrosive just all around. And yeah. I do think just some kind of, yep, you know, someone, you know, you're num when your number's up, your number's up, and you've got to live like that's not the case. But that's only part of it. You know, only part of it is actual fear to walk down the city streets. The rest of it is fear of the people who are walking down those streets with us. I know. I know. I mean, I, I can feel myself trying to find, because I've been so dark. I've been feeling myself trying to find like a positive spin on this. And it's awful. And I shouldn't be even doing it. It's just kind of terrible. But at the same time, I think about, I think about when movements turn turn against each other. Like if you mm -hmm. think about like the feminist sex wars from the seventies, there were like pro porn feminists and anti porn feminists. And the truth is they were actually all fighting for the same things, mm -hmm. but they broke into these like segments and because they broke into those segments, they were unable, part of the reason is they were unable to affect real change because they, mm -hmm. were, they were so, they were fragmented. And I'm worried about that now too. I'm worried yeah, about because that because that's, that's something this, the left kind of consistently does. Splinters off, can't decide on a round table or a square table and, and kicks itself in the foot, you know, or shoots itself in the foot rather. Yes. It, 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 it's very frustrating. I mean, Republicans appear to be better at leading. 
Well, yeah, because they just are like, well, this is the party line and we're all just going to march in line. Mm, We don't like Trump, but who gives a shit because he gets us what we want. Like they, I've been thinking about like if Joe Biden, now I know, I know he can't do everything. Like, and also I do feel like a dummy talking about this because I certainly am not an expert in anything. Right. Like, so, okay. But I've been thinking about like, what if Joe Biden had come in and been like, you know what? We're going to nuke the filibuster. I mean, I guess he can't actually because he doesn't have enough votes. So he can't do that. But if Democrats had come in sort of swashbuckling and said, fuck you, we're going to nuke the filibuster. We're going to pack the court. We're going to change voting law. Like, what if they just came in? They were like, we're going to make D.C. a state. No, what if they were dicks the way? Yes. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry because I'm, I don't want to alienate those people who do not share our politics, yes. but at a, at a moment when so many of those politics appear to be directed right at target on our foreheads, it's hard not to. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it was just a bad, it's been a bad news summer. It's been just bad news summer. And it's really- I'm ready for silly news. Like summer is supposed to be the time of silly news. I'm ready for another fucking J-Lo and Ben Affleck. Give me another one of those. Give me another stupid news. But the thing is you can't even enjoy stupid news. You can't enjoy, you can't enjoy like the candy when like the, the, the main dish like smells so rotten, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, black people are still getting shot in yeah in hideous hideous violence against black and brown people uh, i don't know and you know somebody said you know how did they catch that shooter how is it possible that they caught that shoot that white shooter alive when like yeah. black people get pulled over for like a, yeah. a traffic offense and like get shot 60 times it's i don't know i don't know what to do i wish somebody would tell me what to do also but in the meantime, I'm going to try to find moments of joy and keep myself not exhausted from this because I don't yep. think I'm worth much if I'm just a cauldron of rage. You know, a very successful woman I interviewed once told me that her motto in life was to repress and deny. And I don't agree with that. Yeah. But there are times when you've got to, like I always say, like put yourself on manual and and try to shove that stuff off to the side. You yeah. have to. Yeah. You have to. I mean, you know, my sister-in-law, Shereem, is an attorney and she um, has spent her career advocating for children in the foster care system. And it is as, ble- you know, the foster care system in this country is broken in a thousand different ways They lose children in the foster care system and can't find them again. It's the stories are, are, are mind numbing and she manages, she does it every day. You know, it's the same thing with a friend I have who works in a psychiatric hospital as an art therapist, like the heaviness would just get you and they somehow find a way to compartmentalize. I I think that's, I think that's what we're talking about here. I just don't. The reason it's hard to make it through right now is because I just don't see how we get out of this. I can't believe we just have this panel, like in olden times, we just have this panel of terrible people. No offense if anyone loves the Supreme Court, there's these six Supreme Court justices, but we just have this like panel, like an old timey medieval panel who's like, yeah, you know what? 
I don't think women, I don't think, you know, people should have a right to body autonomy. Yeah. You know what? Eh, The environment. Oh, gun laws. Like, I just don't understand how this happened to us. And it happened in plain sight. We were all watching it happen. But for some reason, we didn't realize what it was going to mean. Well, I think because the tr- I think because it's everybody's nature not to want to believe that things are about to become as horrible as they've become. Yes. You know, and so we all knew it was coming. We knew it was coming, you know, we knew it was coming for sure and then we really knew it was coming. But you know, I just I just think there has to be a little bit of anarchy right now. Just a little bit of rioting in the streets, you know, just a, a, a it, it, it's just, where is the rage, you know, like I'm talking all about, you know, channeling your rage and trying not to be destroyed by it. But like, I just feel like we should, we have to be out on the streets all the time. I don't know. I don't well, know. I'll tell you, I'll tell you though, why that feels hopeless, right? Because what, who are we fighting? Who's even, who are we fighting against and who's, right. who's fighting for us? Because now the whole thing is like, vote, 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 vote. Well, guess what? We all have fucking vote fatigue. We all voted. I sent out, I don't even know how many, how many postcards I sent to get people, get out the vote for the, you know, the last election. And and the call I made calls, I did, you know, text banking. I did, I did everything I feel in my power, you know, in the, with also keeping up my life. And I know many other people did as well and more than I did. And it's like, well, what did it get us? Well, it did get us, it did get us a democratic president. It did. It did get us that as little as that feels like it's accomplishing right now. But I agree with you. There's, a, I mean, I do think all of those things help. Every everything, everyone does help. But it it helps. But it is impossible not to feel helpless now. Well, I mean, now it's like, well, if we if we if we if we get more Senate seats, then maybe we can do this. If it's you know, in the midterms, like voting still matters, and I get it. But I equally get how pissed off everyone is. I mean, my whole part of Los Angeles, someone has just taken to um, graffitiing fuck Biden like every five steps. There's just a Mm -hmm. graffiti that says fuck Biden. And I don't think this is Biden's fault. I really don't. I think this is collectively a problem with the Democrats, like we were just talking about, not fighting as dirty because we're like, well, that's not the right thing to do. But we are no yeah. longer in a right thing to do time. No, when when a judge tells a ten year old girl that her pregnancy is an opportunity, we're not in normal times. Okay, okay, yes, yes. let's move on from the bummer. All right, move on, move on. Take us somewhere else. <laughs> so I read a fascinating piece that I forwarded to you about open marriage. That was like the only piece I've ever. It was in the Paris Review. Yes. And um, this woman wrote it. I'm blanking on her name, but we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> we do show notes. All right, our show um, notes. And it was really, uh, I, I was not sure how I felt about it. And then I was reading our friend Kimberly Harrington's newsletter and mm-hmm. she liked it. So I was like, okay, maybe it's okay that I like this piece. Right. Because right. I always think that, that open marriage, I mean, it does just sound like, I mean, it was just a really good piece because it both made you understand the idea of become, I'm not being very articulate. You're being great. You're being great. It was the husband's suggestion, which I think probably it frequently is. Right. And she basically said to him, what gives our marriage a better chance of surviving? You sleeping with other women or you not sleeping with other women? And 
she writes about the jealousy, but also like kind of being into it for him. Mm -hmm. And she writes though about, she's on her husband's Spotify and she notices that he has a new playlist. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I could tell by the songs that were on the playlist, they were too central to his case taste for him not to have made that playlist for another woman. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget open marriage ever. <laughs> but it works for some people. I mean, it, you know, it, you know, in a world where it's hard to find someone you really connect with, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, I, it's an mar- interesting mar- piece. Is, yeah, is marriage friendship? Is like, what, what do, how do we define marriage, right? Then it's yeah. fine. Like, really, it's just your definition of marriage because it's, it's hard to find somebody you're compatible with. But financially, divorce is devastating. Devastating. Devastating, devastating to many people devastating. I mean, changes your, it can sometimes change your entire socioeconomic class once oh, you're out it of it. Right. Once you're out of the institution of marriage, it can just, it can just change everything, which is, you know, why heteronormativity is so central to capitalism because, you know, it's like you're a unit and you buy a home together and blah, 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 and how we're more difficult to control as a society if we are unmarried and don't have children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> thank you. Um, it gets into the idea of intimacy your your own personal feelings of safety, you know, because once once somebody's out and having sex with other people, what does that mean in terms of your sexual health? How many people is it? How safe are they going to be? Who are those partners? You know, it, so it's there's a there's a physical safety element too. Yeah, um, and there's just a lot to it. It's like emotional safety. I think it's fine, but I'm kind of like. All right. Well, that's a different kind of marriage. Like, yeah, it is. And which is fine. I, you know what was yeah. interesting? Yeah. The, the, the phrase, the phrase open marriage, interestingly, it's in this article, was taken from a book called Open Marriage that a couple psychiatrists, I think, wrote. And there was only one chapter about a sexually open marriage. The rest of it was about things like husbands taking the, you know, taking an equal hand in doing the housework and childcare. It was a book about like a a modern marriage. Right. But what survived was this one, you know, this whole notion of open marriage, you know, the sexual open marriage. Yeah. I mean, look, I like the idea that we are redefining, that we are redefining these institutions. I like this idea. And I just don't know if once the marriage was open, I just wouldn't want real freedom. Like, well, why don't we live in two separate houses on the same property? That sounds fucking great to me. I mean, you haven't lived (laughs) with the same person for 20 years, but I have, you know, like once we're opening it up, well, what freedoms do I really want here? Right. Is, Is it sexual for me or is it something else? Is, does open marriage look like I live in another part of the world for half the year because you have no interest in traveling. You know, like I I don't know. And while I'm there, maybe I fuck somebody else. And then what happens then? I don't know. But maybe it's just this idea of opening it all up. You know, I'm I'm in revisions for my book right now. And it's um it's I have an excellent editor, like just 
I, I can't believe how grateful I am for this edit. I've never had this much care and feedback on my work before, but my editor is a lot younger than I am. You know, I think maybe not 20 years, but at least 15. Hmm. And some of the assertions I make about my life as a, you know, cisgender, straight white woman, some of the assertions I make about my experience of womanhood are not ringing true to her and her experience. Mm -hmm. And so there are things that maybe I made as like a generalization, like, well, you know, this is what happens if you're this kind of woman. And she's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know Mm -hmm. if other people think about things like that in terms of having children, in terms of, you know, finding a partner. And it's been very interesting, like re-examining my assertions and my beliefs about what life was for me, the ways I thought I could live a life and how differently somebody even 15 years younger than me is thinking about it. And I think 15 years younger than that, it's like a totally Mm -hmm. different ball game. Yeah. And that actually, you know, vis-a-vis what we opened up discussing makes me very encouraged. Yes. 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 I, I think so too. I think so too. I mean, and also thinking that we just forget that that this stuff is cyclical, that yeah. this is not the worst it's ever been, that it's been this bad or worse before, um, and that we made our way out of these situations. It wasn't great, but we made our way out of them. You know, we found, you know, p- even talking about like the sexual revolution, we think of that as only one revolution, but actually there was a sexual revolution in the thirties. You know, mm-hmm. this like, these are, these are cycles of, of liberation and oppression. And we kind of, I, I, at least I find it useful to think about it in those terms and be like, okay, well, we're living in that part of the cycle right now. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think what's jolting to all of us is it, it wasn't all that long ago that we were literally dancing in the streets the day Biden was, the election was called for Biden. And there was yeah. so much hopefulness. There was just so much hopefulness. Right. No. And it's also, you know, the January 6th shit has been pretty intense. That's been a little intense, a little intense, like thinking about the, I mean, of course, like you knew, you knew you knew just sort of just in your bones that Trump was a person who would throw his hamburger and French fries against the wall. Like you knew it with his, his ketchup. Yeah. Like you knew he was that sort of a human. But to hear it from some, like to hear that they just all were like living and they were like, yeah, yeah, this is our guy. This guy. This yeah, guy. I know. Ketchup on the wall guy. That's our dude. <laughs> That's our dude. No, I'm, it, it's infuriating. It's, it's not infuriating. It's like, do these people have no self-respect? I mean, like, you're just like, yeah, sure, sure, sir. Thank you. May I have another? Like, it's just like, he's such an, on top of everything else, he's an abusive fuck. He's a selfish, narcissistic, abusive fuck. Thin-skinned. Thin-skinned. Bully, misogynist, racist, like all of it. And they were just like, yeah, he treats everyone bad and me. And I'm going to keep being like right behind him. I know. Well, he's got people very loyal. It's, you know, kind of amazing. But I just, yeah, I I don't know. I can't even. I can't even. I know. Let's take a quick break from some ads. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule, essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. You know what I've been thinking about? I think in part because we went to Coney Island yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, went to a little minor league baseball game. It was They have a stadium there now. I hadn't been to Coney Island in maybe 20 years. But in my 20s, I used to go there a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a music venue out there. We'd go to the Mermaid Parade every year, yep. which was yep. always so much fun. Yep. And it was like a cool, like, you know, trashy, hip kind of place to go. And yes. it still is that way. Um, so I went to Coney Island. I'm thinking about when I went in my younger days. And then the other night I watched the Beastie Boys documentary okay. on, um, Apple, on Apple TV. Okay. Which is with, um, the two surviving Beastie Boys. And, um, I am the same age as them, you know, friends I went to college with, went to high school with them. So I yeah. felt like I, I lived this, you know, I, I sort of, they're avatars from my youth. Yes. 
Yes. And um, I got so nostalgic and I was thinking about nostalgia, you know, yeah. and thinking about the 90s. And, you know, I wrote a profile of them for New York Magazine and I don't know, 96 or so, maybe mm -hmm. 95. And that did feel like a more innocent time. Yeah. You know, and it's so, I mean, nostalgia, I think, is something I really try not to indulge in. But, but did it feel like just, a more innocent time because we were more innocent? Probably. Probably. But but also because, you know, I mean, a school hadn't been shot up every several months since. Yeah. 313, you know. 313 mass shootings since the beginning of mm. this year. Mm, mm, mm. Mm -hmm. Just awful. I know. No, it did nostalgia is I, I've been having it a lot too. I've been having I've been having a lot of nostalgia too, nineties nostalgia. And also just this thing of well, it's strange to be it's strange to be in this position because I'm equally like, oh God, gross time to be alive. Oh, it was better in the nineties, like when we had when I watched Flirting with Disaster. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a Ben Stiller mm -hmm. movie, Patricia Arquette. It's amazing. Lily Tomlin's in it, Alan Alan Ald is in it. It's just it's such a good comedy. It's so it's funny. It's David Russell, right? Yes, it is. It's David Russell before he well, he was probably also always problematic, but this is not like one of his like weird violent movies. It's like this very funny, like madcap comedy. And it's still, it holds up. And Ben Stiller, who I think I talked shit about a couple weeks ago, I was like, God, he's funny. He's really funny. And it's a really, it's a really good movie, but it is the nineties, no cell phones. And I was thinking, oh God, yeah, no cell phones really. It's the cell phones. It's the cell and, and, the, so, the, and the social media and the social and media. the social media, the digital everything. The fact that you and I could make could make a career in in like magazine publishing, and not have to be out there promoting our asses all the time, Ugh. or feeling guilty because we're not doing that, and wondering you know how many followers we have to get before we get verified and everything else. It, it's it's. I, you know, I've said it before. I, I, I do miss the days when, when you told a friend you'd be on a corner at a certain time, you had to be on that corner at a certain time. You know, no doubt it's made the world more convenient and even safer. Yes. But um, no, I like the 90s are the time for me too. And I think it is, I was, I was younger. I was in some ways more confident than I am now. You know, nothing horrible had happened to me yet. Right. Many horrible things had happened to me already, but still, but still I liked <laughs> them. No, it, but equally, what is, what is, what I find profound about this time is because I have all this nostalgia, but at the same time, I'm, I'm very curious and I want to keep living. And one of the great like sadnesses that hits me every day is Oh God, how many more years am I going to be able to X, whatever X mm -hmm. is? Oh my God, I need to enjoy this moment so much because I'm not going to be here forever. I'm very aware of my mortality in a way I was not before. And there's so much I still want to experience and do and see and people I want to be with and time I want to spend. And I just... 
So it's it's a tough it's a tough position to be in because it's like, oh fuck, I just I miss the past, but also I want to have much of the future. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's fine to have those feelings. It's just the attendant feeling of dread. Yes. You know? Yes. That's what makes it bad. The like, oh, I've got to do this, or maybe I'll never get another chance to do this, or you know, I mean, it's the dread and and the fear. Yes. Yes. Somebody somebody is commented on my Instagram. I think it's a listener of the show commented on my Instagram. Um, well, two things. I got two comments from listeners of the show. Hello, listeners, DMs. <laughs> um, I got one that busted me. I was drinking a, a margarita in a can and she, a margarita in a can. And she said, um, oh no, you're going to be up all night. I thought you weren't <laughs> drinking. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks. You're right. <laughs> but then the second one, I've been working a lot. I have like four projects going at once and I just am, I'm working quite a bit and I'm, I recognize the opportunity. I'm a little resentful of it, whatever. But anyway, someone, somebody said, you know, I just admire how, and I'm a little bit jealous of how tenacious you are about work. And I was like, it doesn't feel like tenacity to me. It feels like a compulsion And it gets into, and we've talked about this before, it's a compulsion. Well, first off, because I'm an independent, an an independent person, employee, worker, freelancer. And so there's a money pressure at all times. But then Mm -hmm. creatively, there's a lot of pressure that I create on my own that I just keep setting up projects for myself. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, it was fun when I got it. And now I have to execute it. Oh, fuck, (laughs) oh, fuck, oh, fuck. But it's a compulsion to be accepted professionally, creatively, to get that validation, to feel relevant. I'm very compulsive about it still. And I hope that's not always the case for me because I don't know how much of it is just my ego, like, you know, modulating and right sizing and being like, well, could I, you know, Mm -hmm. would they, what if I pitched this column, would somebody take it? And then being like, oh fuck, they took it. And now I have to do it. Right. I understand that. That's not, that's not really, I don't know where the, I don't know where the line is, where it's healthy, where the work-life balance becomes healthy, where you're like, okay, I'm making the money I need to make to, you know, feel secure and also doing work that makes me feel at least a level of satisfaction. And that's the balance I'm always trying to get. And it's so hard to get it right. Yeah. No, I understand. I mean, it's, it's just, it's the anxiety. It's when the anxiety becomes part of it. It's it because the drive to keep doing new things that you have is really, is really great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's the thing behind the drive. Yes. It's the fear that makes it hard. It's the, you know, but I wish I had a little bit of that. I wish I had a little bit more fear, you know, I guess, I guess, but I feel like you're just, you're just right with yourself. I I watch you and I see you be like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And it's right because then what I'm doing and I'm like, I don't want to fucking be doing this. I'd like to be sitting on the couch. (laughs) Well, there was a time when I was younger, you know, when I was on staff at different magazines, when I took every single freelance assignment anybody would ever send to me anything. And, you know, I think part of it was because it was early in my career and I wanted to accumulate clips and because I was making $27,000 a year and that wasn't enough to live on in New York. Um, But at a certain point, I mean, you know, after 
I mean, I guess I just had it beaten out of me when I was in all, an editor in chief all those years, you know, yeah. there, yeah. it was a position I had never pursued. And suddenly right. I had, I had to perform it. Right. And by the time it was over, it was like, okay, well, I did that. I did that big thing. Right. You know, I don't ever have to do another big thing like that again if I don't right. want to. Right. And right. it turns out I didn't want to. Yeah. You know, I mean, in that respect, I I feel pretty right with myself. Um, I am comfortable with the idea that my, you know, I mean, I think that this podcast is our greatest accomplishment, but I, I feel like, you know, my biggest, my big, I do. <laughs> I love you. Thank but you. I, I do. But, but this, but you know, my biggest accomplishment is behind me and that's okay with me. I mean, it's actually really yeah. okay with me. And, and I, um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, I know people, you know, like I, I said in that piece I wrote, there was a long time where if you Googled me, it would autofill what happened to Kim France. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I didn't go out and get another big job. And some part of me must regret that a little. But I also knew what the price of that big job would be. That's the thing. That's the thing. And as you're pushing yourself, as one is pushing themselves, as I am pushing myself into new territories, creatively, I don't know what the price is going to be entering into these new projects. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, more of this shit? Like, oh God, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know because you don't know because you don't. That is one thing about entering something in your late 40s, 50s, whatever, in this time of life. You set out on a new course you don't really know what's on the other side. And some of it is good and exciting and challenging, but some of it is like, oh God, no, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. And you have to accept all of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing that we don't talk about when we talk about like pivots and reboots. And I'm going to just, um, you know what? It's that grass is always greener thing. I'm going to move into this direction and do this thing. I've never done this before. It looks cool to people who are doing it. And then you might find on the other side of that, oh, there's less money in this. The kinds of people I have to work with are not the kinds of people I like. These, this, these are not my experiences. I'm just bringing up examples. Yeah. But yeah. And, but, but, but one, but one thing that happens, like, you know, it's like the analogy I always use, like, you know, a little kid is learning to walk and they fall down and they laugh and they get back up, you know, an older person who's having to learn how to walk has a much harder time. Right. And I think that we fall down and get back up again easier and earlier in our careers. Right. 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 You know, I mean, my first job was a nightmare. I had the most toxic boss Right. And she wanted to fire me. And I was like, I've spent my whole life knowing I wanted to work in magazines. And now it's going to be over because like this woman doesn't like me. Right. Um, right. You know, then she left and everything was fine. But like, you know, I, I, I could handle a toxic boss in a way I don't think I could handle a toxic boss now or would well, handle. That's well, the right way to say well, it. Well, you'd be so, yes, I think you're right. The one thing I will say is that you get to the result a lot faster, I find, because I work with a lot of different clients. And I have learned 
without being angry, when somebody's trying to push against a boundary or if it's a toxic situation, the one great thing about this age, if you can muster the courage, I know in real time how things are going to work out normally, right? Or often. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm going to send an assignment and the deadline's unrealistic or the work doesn't make sense, or it doesn't make sense for me to be the one doing it, I am closer in real time to saying that in mm-hmm. artful and careful ways, you know, the way I'm seeing this is it will make more sense if, you know, to me, I think the best use of me is and advocating mm-hmm. for myself. I can really advocate for myself, which when people used to say that to me before, just felt like some bullshit platitude, like, oh, just advocate for yourself. But actually, I've seen it a couple of times recently in real time where I've had to say that deadline's not going to work. I can do this much in this time. I can give you this. I've had to do things like that. And that's a gift of this age. That's a gift of this age. And that does make, if the situation, if the job, and I'm kind of like backpedaling on what I just said, but if the job, the assignment, the project is not going to work out, you know a lot more quickly. And you, at least for me, I put up with a lot less if I can. If I financially can, I will try to steer it the best I can carefully. Um, Yeah. And I like that shit. That shit's, uh, you know, creating the right outcome for yourself is very satisfying. Yeah. And knowing how to do that and having the confidence to do that. It's true. And the confidence to know when you need to walk away and when an opportunity, like, you know, I didn't walk away from any opportunities. It was like, yes, 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 yes. yes. And, 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 and being able to like see the warning signs around the edges. Yes. Yes. And like, you know, and, and thinking about, well, do I need this for survival or is this just something that I think will look good or, you know, look good to the outside world or, mm-hmm. you know, all of these different things that you're weighing as a, as a freelance person or, you know, can I just not please that person? They wanted it, you know, Friday, but I can't get it to them till Wednesday unless I really fuck up my life. And what's mm-hmm. more important here, me and my life and my family, or pleasing this person with an arbitrary deadline that just doesn't, that doesn't have to have to be. Right. So, I mean, you know, it, it's fucking interesting working as an older person. It's just, it's different, man. Yeah, it is. It's different. It is. It is. So I'm watching this show that's kind of amusing. Tell me. Not great. Not great, but kind of amusing. It has Maya Rudolph in it. Okay. And Adam Scott. It's called Loot. Oh, okay. And it is based, it it, it definitely feels like it's based on Mackenzie Scott, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. Okay, okay. You know, it's about a woman who's married to a tech bedillionaire mm-hmm. and he leaves her for another woman and she suddenly has all this money mm-hmm. and she goes in and the, and she didn't even know that they have a family foundation, but they have a family foundation. And she's like, okay, I'll go work there in that okay. way that rich people do. Right. So she it's sort of about like all the people in this foundation who were trying to get work done. And this like woman who just has had no conception whatsoever of what real life is like for the length of her marriage and is stepping back into the world. And okay, okay. it's just, you know, it's, 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 it, it amused me. It's, it, it, it's not a great show, but it is an amusing show. 
That that actually sounds really fun. I would like an amusing show, just like a nice, easy, amusing show. Um, I haven't really been watching anything. I watched Jaws last night. <laughs> Always good. It's really amazing. It's like sometimes it's just fun to go back to something and have the anticipation of all your favorite scenes and get excited and think, oh, well, that hasn't happened yet. I'm still going to get to watch that. That's, you know, so. We watched Heavenly Creatures a while ago. Did I talk about this ever? Heavenly Creatures? I think I feel like I did. Um, Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky both had their first roles. I think maybe we talked about this like a million years ago is what I feel like. Oh my God. No, but not a million years ago, like two months ago. Who knows how many years? Yeah, it was a while ago that we watched it. Okay. But there's one scene in it where they're like, they're going to kill the mom. Okay. And she's in a, because they kill one of the mothers. It's based on a true story. I'm not giving anything away. Okay, great. And they're sitting in the car. Yes. They're going to take her on a hike in the woods, which is where they're going to kill her. Mm -hmm. And beforehand, they stop at a little, you know, bakery shop Mm -hmm. or something, and they're having desserts. And, you know, they've got the little tray of desserts and the mother reaches for another one and then goes, oh, no, no, really, I shouldn't. And the girl goes, go ahead, mom, treat yourself. Oh, <laughs> it's so creepy. It's also fun to watch actresses that you're most familiar with now and watch them younger. Like it was really fun to Mm -hmm. see Patricia Arquette in Flirting with Disaster and just remember what she looked like in the nineties. And, you know, it was, that was, that was very, that was very cool and see her just, you know, and it's just fun to see. It's fun to see people at different ages. I feel like that's not a very interesting point at all, but that's, that's the thing I'm, that's a case I'm making. Um, Well, you know, what's true is like both Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky are prettier now. Yes, I think that that was maybe what I, part of what I was <laughs> thinking, though I had not said that. Um, I don't know what else, Kim. What else? I don't know. We, well, here's some things we can do. We can answer some questions. Yes. We can read a couple reviews. Okay. Okay, you, you ask questions. Okay. What is your thinking about wearing shorts these days? <laughs> Funny. You should ask, listener. Because just yesterday, I was like, I'm going to this minor league baseball game. I don't feel like wearing a dress to the baseball game. I want to wear shorts. But the shorts I like don't fit me right now. So I was like, okay, I'll go take, I will do the thing I know is never the right thing to do. I said, Paul, I'm about to take some perfectly good pants and try to turn them into shorts. (laughs) Perfectly good pants. I destroyed two pairs. Two pairs and was about to start cutting off a dress. And Paul was like, I think you told me to stop you if you did this. Oh my God. Oh my God. Perfectly good pants turned into shorts. This is amazing. An amazing thing that happens. Oh, I haven't done it in a long time. I've just ruined. I mean, they were two pairs of pants I probably was never going to wear again. They weren't fancy. It's not like, you know, but, but they could have, they could have, they could have met a better end than being turned into shorts I'll never wear. Well, uh, oh, so wait, so, so end of that story, you did not wear shorts. I didn't wear shorts okay. and I find it impossible. I, I love the look of shorts, like longer shorts with a button down shirt. I think that's a great look, but I have a very hard time finding those shorts. Okay. So I have lots of thoughts on shorts, many, many thoughts on shorts. <laughs> um, so I have 
so just let me get this out here. I do, I have skinny legs, but they are still getting crepey above the knees and also tons of spider veins. Like I've had them removed over the years and then they just come back. So these are not like the prettiest legs. I've decided I do not give a shit. These are my legs and I want to wear shorts. Okay. I had a similar realization this weekend about sleeveless dresses. Fuck it. It was too fucking hot to care. Fuck. That's really where I'm getting to. And I think this is the right place to be like, sorry, my body's not for your consumption. I want to be comfortable. And this yep. is cute. Okay. Cute to me. So shorts and, and button downs, honestly, you could wear a pair of bike shorts and a button down with a good pair of like lug sole sandals. It's actually a pretty cute look. If this, if the button down is oversized enough, I did mm-hmm. that the other day and it was pretty cute. They were like a thick bike short that came down to mm-hmm. right above my knee with a lug sole black sandal and an oversized button down. Cute. Second shorts, Big Bud Press makes cute shorts. I'm sorry, Big Bud Press. There's a little bit of elastic in the back. They're just like a fine, like just basic looking like khaki kind of short. They come to around the mid thigh. They come in all sizes. They're cute with a bunch of different shirts and also cutoffs, man. Cutoffs are still cute. They don't have Cut-offs to be like, it doesn't well, have to be like a going to, to, yeah, it wasn't, it's not like you need to go. It's not like you're going to like a fancy like dinner and cutoffs, but like Cutoffs could still be cute as an older person. I'm just, I'm, I'm on cutoffs. I'm, I'm a fan. I, I support you in that a hundred percent. I don't know that they're going to work on me at the moment. And I'm certainly not going to destroy any more pants trying to make them. Bring them. But to I do your, agree with you. I think they're cute. Bring them to your, bring them to the tailor to cut them. I know. I think in life, you're either a person who brings things to the tailor or you're not. I'm not. I, I recommend everybody bring shit to the tailor, like, I don't know, once a week. And I have, I think I've brought a thing to a tailor like three times. Well, because style, you know, the most stylish people I know swear that that's why their clothes look good on them because they buy something, you know, maybe they buy something cheap at a vintage store and then they go and spend the money on making it fit right. No, I mean, and those people probably have spreadsheets. I don't know. Like they're, they're, <laughs> they're, their closet is organized. Like my, the chaos over here is not, is not conducive to a tailor, but I feel like that's an easy thing. And if you have a tailor, your dry cleaner, it's not something fancy that you have to do. You just have to be like, could you cut these? And then you have show them where. Right. True. Um, but I think my feelings on shorts are very, very pro. Okay. Next question. Can I not attend my sister-in-law's second marriage out of state, no direct flight? I have three young kids without being branded a supervillain. Happy for my husband to go, et cetera, et cetera. If we're not a relative, I'd send cash and a card along with my regrets. I don't want her wedding to be forced to be my forced annual vacation. Do I have to suck it up? You know, I think that really depends on the relationships. You know, what kind of relationship? I mean, it, it, it. I think it's a, I I certainly can relate to not wanting to go, but it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but the way travel is right now, three young kids, out of state, no direct flight. I mean, this person is not making it very convenient for guests, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that the best relationships come out of well-set boundaries. And I think that if she explains this to her sister-in-law kindly, 
if this is really her stance, I think it's better for her not to go than to go and resent it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe in explaining it, you offer up something else. That's always good. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so sorry. We're not going to be, the whole family can't make this. We're sending along my husband. Of course, I would love to celebrate with the two of you, do something special, whatever that special thing is, X. Yeah. I don't know. I might go because of the guilt, but I do recognize that it's a, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on, well, it depends on the family dynamic. Yeah. I think it really depends. It depends on her relationship with the sister-in-law. Yes. And the, and the husbands. Yes. Um, looking into therapy for the first time seems like looking for, I think she means a psychiatrist is a better idea in case a referral for a prescription is needed. Thoughts? Well, I mean, if, if, if you, the more cost-effective thing to do if you were looking for therapy is to find a therapist, you know, a psychologist, even a social worker, and then have a psychopharmacologist who you really trust, who is in some communication with your therapist. That's, that's what, that's exactly what I did. I mean, because a lot of the reasons, you know, the main thing is you want to find someone who you feel connected to and who you can also afford so that you can go consistently. I think mm-hmm. that's the most important, like one, two of therapy is the consistency and someone you feel connected to. It doesn't matter if they have a medical degree because they can help you get that like occasional psychiatrist referral, which is what I have right now to get ADHD meds. I meet with her every three months and that came through my therapist who is not even a doctor. He's a, he's a, he's a social worker, really. I mean, that's his entire degree. But at the time I got him, I knew that I knew that he was, I really liked him and I knew that he was an option that I could afford to go every week. And that was the most important thing is, is getting in there and having some consistency with it. Because if it's someone super expensive, I mean, there's so many reasons why you're going to try to avoid going, especially as the therapy gets harder. And if there's like a really big price of admission, that might be a deterrent that you don't need. I think it's also important to kind of think about what you want from therapy at this point in your life. Do you want to go to the kind of therapy where you're talking about your childhood and your father and how he fucked you up and how angry you are and all of that? Or do you want to go for a more behavioral approach that's more about problem solving and working through behavior to, to make your, to make your mind different? Right. Or like, processing no, no, you're fine. No, but me too. It's we're we're fried or like processing trauma. You know, do you want to find like where, where, what, what explicitly are you looking for? You know, my therapist also does EMDR like that. That may be something you want to explore. It kind of depends on what, but but the, the bottom line is you don't, you don't need a psychiatrist. Don't, don't think that that's the only, the only point in the only way in to get, um, right. to get meds. Right. Um, okay. So we have a bunch of new, we have a bunch of new reviews we're going to read before we go. Should I read a couple? Yes, go ahead. Okay. This one is from Sandamom and she says, absolutely love this podcast. This is the podcast I didn't know I needed. Thank you. Thank you for your wonderful banter, truth, bonds, insights, and laughs. 
Nice. Thank you, Santa Mom. And thanks everybody for leaving these reviews. I didn't say that before. It means the world to us and it helps people find our show and that helps us keep going with the show. Okay. This is from Nan Lee B who says, stay well, Kim. Kim, happy to hear your procedure is behind you. Take care. Enjoy the holiday weekend. A grateful listener. Very nice. Thank you for caring. I'm very glad my procedure is over too. Okay, here's one from Marta in Michigan. Five stars. Hey, fabulous women. I love listening to your podcast. It feels like I'm listening to two friends of mine talking about topics that are important to me. Our values are aligned and I love your senses of humor. Thank you for being so open and honest. If you need a friend in Benzie County up north Michigan, you have one. Keep up the good work. I look forward to hearing about Kim's makeover and Jen's review of Inky products. I also want to read Jen's book. Hope you're both enjoying summer. Marta Chabazi. Thank you, Marta. Um, oh, while we're here, so it's pronounced inchy. I didn't know that. I found somebody who pronounced it the, on, on, on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. The products are fine. They're fine. There's nothing bad about them. They're not my favorite. It's still Shani Darden for me all the way. The eye creams are pretty good. I really do think that all these skincare companies that are using silicone, I don't like it. I don't like the way it, the like sliminess of it or the tackiness yeah, yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. But the products are f- like the I think the eye creams are actually pretty good. So that's that's my that's my review of that. Um and Kim's makeover, what's our update on that, Kim? I have had so many offers. I don't even know what to do. It's an embarrassment of offers. That's an incredible place to be. What a good problem to have. <laughs> um, okay. Appreciate the candor. This is from Chickadees and Hummies. Appreciate the candor. I've listened to EIF for a while and appreciate the host's candor and authenticity. They truly seem to bring their full selves to the podcast and take feedback earnestly when it comes in. And there will always be feedback when you're thinking aloud as they seem to. I thought about this side note. I thought about this review I saw the other day and I thought, oh, I guess people don't just think out loud. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about that too when I saw it because I thought, oh, is that what we do? Is that what we do? I think we do. I think that we just think think other people like are more cautious in the things they say and perhaps more thoughtful. Um, (laughs) Being in my early 40s, I value being a fly on the wall and hearing about all the great things I have ahead for me. They touch on so many different topics, truly like listening to them chat. I love hearing about people under 40 who listen to this podcast. I do too. I very much do too. Um, if you're, I also, did I tell you that we got a letter from a man? <laughs> from a man? Yeah, there was like a man who left a review or something, a DM something. I forget when. But if you're out there, man, <laughs> the, <laughs> the one man, I love you. I think it's so incredible <laughs> like that you want to know about this shit. I'm really happy to have you. <laughs> Um, keep coming back keep coming back okay on that note thanks for listening to Everything is Fine we're your hosts I'm Jen Romolini and I'm Kim France if you like the show like we just talked about please rate and review it on all the platforms particularly Apple Podcasts it really helps people find the show If you want to support the making of the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We do um, exclusive blogging content there and special episodes, and we have live monthly events. If you want to find the show, we're on, on social media. 
We are at EIF Podcast on Instagram. We have a robust Facebook group. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn somehow. I did put us on LinkedIn once. (laughs) (laughs) You can email the show at everythingisfinethepodcast at Gmail. You can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. You can find me on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. The show is mixed and edited by the great Natalie Rivera, and we'll talk to you next week. 